Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite gal pal, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today we are talking about the Eloise Asylum, which is in Michigan. (laughs) Why did that word not want to pop into my head? I'm like, Detroit. Where's Detroit? Detroit's in where? That's where my brain, that's, it's literally like that, like, Lorelei moment where it's like, monkey, monkey, underpants was happening in my head. Anyway, so we're gonna be talking about the Eloise Asylum. If you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and use our handles at Three Spooked Girls. If you want to hang out with the group that we've got going on in the Facebook group, which is really great. I'm just mm-hmm. like, we have so much fun stuff happening in there. We have a book club. We've done like a Wine Wednesday. Some fun stuff has happened in there. So you definitely want to check it out. If you want to support the show and get extra content, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. For little as a dollar, you get a bonus episode each month. And if you're new to the show, one, welcome. And two, if you've listened through like March and April, you would have noticed that every other week for a stabby, we release something from the vault. That's the kind of stuff we do over there. And you get a lot of back content if you were to sign up at the dollar. Mm-hmm. $2 and up, get Jessica Slaughter's movie reviews and plot lines. $5 and up, get video content with Tara's Haunted Grounds. And there's so much more. So go check it out. You can head over there by using the link in the link tree in the show notes. And we're going to take a quick promo break and we'll be back in just a moment. Well, hello, my friends. This is CK from the Marths and Monsters podcast. Join me, my companion Finn, and my occasionally satanically possessed cat Ray. Puny mortals! as we investigate the real truths behind some of the most wonderful creatures you can imagine. Are trolls really that thick? Or is it just bad press? Are leprechauns really drunken bums? Sort of. But there's a lot more to find out. All you need to do is tune in to Mirths and Monsters podcast with me and Finn. Till next time, slancha your good health. Okay, well, we hope you enjoyed that promo break. And before we get into the topic of the asylum, we're going to talk about today. Well, I'm going to tell you what today's cocktail is, which is going to be a rosemary honey spritzer. We're going into summer now, so you got to get your spritzers on. Spritzers Mm -hmm. are amazing. You can find it on our Pinterest. If you don't know where our Pinterest is, it's very simple. You go to any of our link trees and it says Pinterest and click the button. There you go. And this particular one was done by the charming Detroit 
Deutscher, which is why I picked it, because we're going to be kind of near Detroit. Ooh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So let's talk about the history of the Eloise Asylum, Mm -hmm. which has had more names than any other asylum I have ever fucking dealt with. (laughs) (laughs) It was the Wayne County Poorhouse, the Eloise Hospital, the Eloise Asylum, the Wayne County Asylum, and then the Wayne County Psychiatric Hospital. And I'm sure it has other names, too. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to go back to a magical time of 1825, which I don't think it was that magical that most people didn't have toilets (laughs) in their home. So not magical (laughs) for me. So on November 15th of 1825, the county voted. They had a committee. It was like a whole thing, which is really interesting because this county has all of their minutes or kind of their minutes up online. Hmm. And it was from this time. So you could definitely know when it happened. And basically what they decided is they were going to purchase a farm in the county and build a poorhouse. And they were going to do so by the 1st of May of the next year, which I thought was very nice that they were like, this is what we're going to do. So they ended up purchasing the land and it would be constructed or founded in 1832 and it would be the Wayne County Poorhouse which is basically where people would go when they were less fortunate and didn't have any money Mm -hmm. and I remember hearing about it in old movies as like really bad things yeah they're gonna ship you off to the poorhouse and I'm like I don't know what that means it's not something we have in modern America like I mean not like I mean we do but like that's a whole different topic of like economic Mm. inequality and stuff like that so it was located at Gratiot and Mount Elliott Avenues in the Ham Tramick Township, two miles from the Detroit city limits. So like very close, like Detroit adjacent, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. The poorhouse was built by 1834. The poorhouse would be in bad condition and the 280 acres it was on got purchased by someone else oh. by a different township. And this also included purchasing a place called the Black Horse Tavern, which served as a stagecoach stop between Detroit and Chicago, which was nice. Mm. The county would then build additional buildings besides the tavern, and they would have 35 needy people move in, and they would have a keeper, and the keeper's wife lived there. So very nice. Gotcha. And like I said, they called it the Wayne County Poorhouse, and its first residents were transferred from another poorhouse in Mount Elliott in Detroit. Many people didn't want to go out there because it was considered too far into the wilderness. They were like, no, thank you. In fact, 111 people refused to go out into the awful wilderness where this was. So many women and children were homeless. Oh, no. Right? I would have moved in. Then they added another building into this area and it was the log cabin. Well, it wasn't really, I shouldn't say added. It was remarketed from the Black Horse Tavern to the log cabin where the keeper, like the person who ran the place or like Mm -hmm. maintenance the place lived. Mm -hmm. And then they added a frame building. And this is when they started taking in inmates. But they also, I think this is when they started looking and taking in people who were maybe mentally ill. And so at this time, they built a frame cookhouse that was near like the log cabin, which used to be the Black Horse Tavern. And they, you know, basically had the people in there. So like both the inmates, they keep referring to them as inmates in a lot of the articles. So I don't know if it's like inmates as in like mental Mm. patients of the time. Mm. 
And then the families that like lived there, they all like worked together. And it was a self-sufficient complex. So they had everything that they needed on site. It was a cottage plan or also known as the colonial plan in England. And the style of asylum is a planning that gained popularity at the end of the 19th century and continued to be very popular well into the 20th century. Prior to the cottage style, most institutions were built like the Kirkbin plan, which housed all patients and administration into one large building but that wasn't desirable anymore they wanted it i have a feeling they wanted it to feel a little bit more like camp like like spread out different buildings and it was probably easier to like section people off so that you weren't like you know if you were a single person you weren't necessarily with families or like you weren't with the opposite sex these complexes would also have communal buildings and they would have like a chapel a kitchen a gymnasium and an auditorium So that's nice. They also had their own police and fire departments. Like it was like a well little like community. Mm -hmm. It also had a bakery, an amusement hall, laundry facility, a post office, and a power plant. When they say they're self-sufficient, they mean they're fucking self-sufficient. Right. It had its own farm, which included a dairy herd, dairy barns, a piggery, which I think that is the cutest word ever. Like I'm sure it's really (laughs) not as cute as I'm making it out to be, but I like picture it more of like, remember the old Disney cartoon with the little pigs? Like in the overalls, mm-hmm. that's what I'm picturing like Aww. walking through there. Not probably not the same. It also had a root cellar, a tobacco curing building, and a greenhouse. About this time, Detroit, because they had a medical facility there too, like a hospital and stuff, and it was a little bit more fancy. They would start sending people, like patients from Detroit, out here to get their x-rays done. So they were fancy. It also had, because of the hospital they were building out there, it also housed the first kidney dialysis unit in the state of Michigan and pioneered the use of musical therapy. Wow. Okay. So this is all like, like basically about the 1840s, they started like swinging towards helping with mental health patients. The staff also used hydrotherapy, shock therapy, insulin therapy to treat their patients. Those aren't necessarily good things. No. But like at the time, they were like the leading things. Yeah. I see what they were trying to do. They just didn't know better. Hopefully they just didn't know better. So as the years would go by, the institution would grow and grow and it would reflect that because the population. So I think at this point, it's like a good mix of people who were part of the the poorhouse and people who were part of the actual mental institution. And then a gentleman would end up buying it and naming it after his daughter, Eloise, which is why we have the name. And it showed that the first actual like mental patient or mental illness patient that was there was a woman by the name of Biddy Hughes. And she had been committed by her family and eight 1841. So she was in her mid 30s and she was kept there until she died 58 years later. Oh my God. So, you know, probably hysteria. I was going to say, is this the one that it's like, I remember when I was doing the paranormal side, it was like husbands would take their wives there for like dumb shit. Like she's (laughs) spending too much money. She's not listening. She's on her period. Now she's here. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? But, you know. Right. Like (laughs) mental health in the 1800s and early 1900s was not even even into like I don't know the late I would say the 80s was not favorable for Mm -hmm. women because like oh you're upset you have hysteria and it's like no I just don't like you at the moment or you're an annoying person and yes the thought of setting you on fire brings joy (laughs) to me not that I'm crazy (laughs) but you're an annoying person like I don't know it was also said that sometimes patients would have to be chained and they were called the chained unfortunates and they were often heard like making a lot of ruckus 
And they did like some weird like therapy where like they would be with animals. What I mean by that is like they would like work with animals type thing. And a lot of times they would hear the chains and like screeching and roaring and pig squealing. So yeah, conditions were not the greatest to say the least, but people complained. So they had to change. So they were like, no more working with pigs. Because I don't know, like pigs make noise. Like maybe the pigs were excited. Maybe maybe they were giving them treats. They got really excited. I was thinking of like them killing them (laughs) here's hoping (laughs) right so i I should say at this point like it's still called the poorhouse the wayne county poorhouse it has not officially changed 1894 which is when it changed because a man by the name of freeman d dickerson who was the president of the county board overseeing this thing changed the facility to be named after his daughter who was five which i was like i don't know if i'd want an institution named after me maybe like i don't know if it was doing really good things i guess i don't know so now they split it so it was the Eloise Infirmary for the Sick and Elderly. So like people who needed health care issues or if you were old. And the Eloise Hospital for the Insane. In 1903, you know, like that time there was tuberculosis a lot. We talked about mm-hmm. it on Waverly. So it was converted to be a tuberculosis hospital, the, the side that was the infirmary. And they saw a lot of patients and they would set up, they actually set up two canvas tents outside, one for males and one for females. And tuberculosis patients kept increasing. So because that was happening, they actually got to have more money and they would build on things. So then they built the Eloise Sanitarium and it was reported by by auditors in 1911 that Dr. Delt said the erection of the hospital was the answer to the public call. He said physicians were recommending an open air treatment for tuberculosis. So the tents really worked, but it also helped, you know, the sanitarium aspect of it. The patients at Eloise posed specific problems. However, when they got there, they were most likely in the final stages of their disease. So it's kind of a place they went, mm. you know. To die. Die. So sometimes, like, and if they were okay enough, they would actually, like, ship them to other places. At the peak, Eloise Complex was a small city with a hospital, mental asylum, and was housing 10,000 patients and 2,000 staff members, which would mean that as many as 125 women were sharing five toilets. Oh, my God. Can we think about that for two seconds? No, I don't want it. In 1935, Wayne County began feeling the effects of the Great Depression, which the entire country was and Eloise rapidly grew with both the indignant and the mental ill populations. Yeah, at that point in time, it got up to be on that side about 8,300 patients were there. That's just that's a shit ton. Yeah. One of the things that they had a problem with was that the residents that were there would get bored. So they would actually like they would walk around, they would sit and stare at the wall or their feet or the windows, and a lot of them would receive passes to leave the grounds and then have to be brought back by policemen because they would be like bye Mm -hmm. and not come back and sometimes they would do petty crimes too you know and then they'd go to jail and then back to the asylum so in 1945 Eloise was renamed to the Wayne County General Hospital and Infirmary they wanted the new name to reflect a more scientific approach to the poor and mentally ill and they did not want it to be like named after someone's kid which makes sense but most people who grew up in the area still referred to it as Eloise in the 1950s Wayne County General was considered 
considered one of the best hospitals in the nation. Hmm. So that's nice. And a lot of it was because they were spending a shit ton of money. In six months, they realized they spent $6,500 on dentures. Oh, wow. That's a lot for fake teeth. Yeah, they were spending quite a lot of money per person. And so they were not doing so well. So they were hemorrhaging money, which means that over time, the population decreased. They had to get rid of some some of their operations. Like in 1958, they had to get rid of the farm and they actually had to close some of the psychiatric buildings in 1973 and then ended up closing the psychiatric division in 1977. And the last patients were transferred out in 1982 and the state took over and the general hospital then closed in 1986. So not all the buildings are still standing. There's only one building currently in use. The land has been changed and has been used for strip malls, golf courses, and condominiums. Because there was a number, it was like 280. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. Mm-hmm. There are five buildings remaining, and the county was working to get it sold. And I believe in November of 2015, they put it up for sale for $1.5 million. Oh. Which is a lot of money. So basically the building where they had the fire station, the power plant, and two maintenance buildings, and then like the big building that's left. And then the other building that was there is on March 29th of 2016. The former bakery that was built in 1905, one of the original buildings, was a victim of arson. Hmm. And it went away, which Hmm. is very sad. Obviously, we're going to talk about there's some like haunted tours that happen. But yeah, it's also there's a movie inspired by it. And it was directed, I believe, by Robert De Niro. Hmm. Yeah. And it was on TV's travel channel, Destination Fear. They filmed one of their episodes there. So with that, seems like a good time to turn it over to Tara. Yes. Okay. So this place is hella haunted, which we were talking about this off recording. But when I first dived into it, I did not get that impression because I start with articles before I go watch anything. And uh, <laughs> and the reason for that is just like, they're so vague or they didn't have any information. So I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be a dud, which, you know, has happened with certain topics or places before. But hell no, y'all, I was fucking wrong. So after my lackluster article search, I should say, I looked into paranormal teams who have visited here and Jessica mentioned Destination Fear. I came across them. So... It's a show I had never watched before. It's on Discovery Plus. It's kind of newer. The first season was 2019. And so they only have two seasons right now. But I saw, I didn't watch it, but I saw a uh, link for an interview saying they are going to have a season three soon-ish. So that's exciting. But they visited here. So I was like, you know what? Let me check this out before I tell Jessica, we got to go back to the drawing board for this episode. So here we are. And I'm glad I did. Okay. So the head guy, Dakota Layden, I believe is how you say his last name. He actually worked with Zach Bagans on his show for a while. So that's cool. He was like a camera crew or whatever. He doesn't act like him. Let me just say that. It's not all bro-y and stuff. I like this. It's a good balance. (laughs) It's a good balance. So the rest of the team consists of his sister, Chelsea, and then two other men named Tanner Wiseman and Alex Schroeder. And I know from just like remembering one for sure was one of his childhood friends, possibly both. I don't totally remember, but basically the reason that they even became paranormal investigators is because apparently Dakota and Chelsea's childhood home had hella paranormal activity. So it just blossomed their interest from there. So this is one of their locations. It's in season one on the sources page. It'll say what episode if you want to check it out. Anyways, so they go there, right? And before they go, (laughs) okay, 
I didn't put this in my notes, but I have to talk about it. So, <laughs> so when they're on their way, they they stop to eat and they go to this like hot dog restaurant and it's got like all kinds of different hot dogs. It's it's like country. I don't know what the fuck the name is, but it was like country themed. And then like the owner, this like cute lady in her like 50s comes out and apparently yeah. the restaurant has a song and she likes singing. And they have this, yeah, they have this thing where, like, if you can perform it back, I think it was on the menu too, they'll give you like free ice cream. I was like, that's cute. That's cute. But anyway, that had nothing to do with this. I just thought it was cute. It wasn't even in my notes. But, anyways. So, you know, there we are. So, but before they go and do their investigation, they actually talk, they sit down with a local paranormal investigator. And his name is Todd Bonner. And he told them that as a teen, you know, him and his friends, because they were a local, they'd go sneak in and a bunch of weird shit would happen. They'd go to other creepy places nearby, that kind of thing. They kind of all bonded over that because I guess the Destination Fear team, they did the same shit. But fun fact, he was actually the first investigator Investigator, him and his team, Todd's, they were the first paranormal investigators allowed into the asylum. Oh, wow. That's cool. Right. And they had a lot of weird shit happen. So he warns, you know, he warns them. He talks about it. He's like, there is a fuck ton of entities here. Their energy just is so much. They literally expect the batteries from all of your electronic stuff to be sucked down to dead, essentially. And he's telling them about, like, they had some weird stuff happen on their walkies. Basically, what what it was was like Todd had been outside because there's also a cemetery. I'll talk about that later. And he was out of walkie-talkie range, right? But the rest of the team heard someone talk on there that sounded like Todd. So they're like, hey, can you come to X room, whatever room, you know? And there's no answer. So they're like, okay, what the fuck? So they go looking for him, you know, to make sure he's okay. And when they found him outside, he's like, um, no, that I was way the fuck out here. My walkie doesn't work. And so they're like, what the fuck is going on with that? That's weird. And along with this, they had a ton of photos and they show some of them in there. And one of them has like this creepy ass shadow figure that almost looks like he's in a doctor coat or something. I don't know. It's creepy as shit. It's in the basement. We're going to talk about that now. So the basement is the creepiest and most feared area in the whole over 200 square foot building. That's, you know, that's pretty impressive. And there's an entity down there that is said to be absolutely evil and they actually call him the creeper oh good Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> so those that have seen him have said he looks like he has claw or talon type feet and hands. And his figure will crawl on the walls, ceiling, and floor. I don't like that. And he comes off as more animalistic versus humanoid when this is all going on. When they filmed this, so back in 2019, I'm assuming it's probably still the same owner. But the owner and a medium that's like one of their resident mediums there, I think, they were interviewed on this and they were like, nope, we don't fuck with the basement, especially not by ourselves. No, 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 no. The owner's like, I'm not, I don't fuck with that unless I have to. And uh, it has to be daytime and somebody else with me. Just saying. I'm like, oh, damn. (laughs) (laughs) It's a terrifying basement. Right? I'm like, oh, God. And there has also been tons of reports of hearing growls, yelling, sounds of anguish, and all kinds of scary shit throughout the building. People do believe that these are the souls of tortured patients because all that stuff Jessica mentioned about hydrotherapy and all of that. Yeah, they weren't very nice about it. It was actually a very, very bad situation. There's actually one instance of a patient, quote, quote, there was a little girl there. She was 12 and they essentially were doing this 
hydrotherapy on her and didn't check on her. So she like drowned in one of the tubs. <gasps> no. They were really shitty. So yeah, they they did not. There was a lot of bad stuff going on there, actually. And that tub was still there when they went to investigate. So there's that. And investigators have found, quote, strange medical procedure documents. So I don't know if they were trying to do some kind of like experimental shit or what the fuck they were doing to these people, but bad. And others have said that these spirits will also play off of your fears and essentially fuck with your mind with all this. Got it. Yeah. So along with this, there's a cemetery I mentioned a second ago. Well, this was found way later. From my understanding, there was this article I read that was from like 2014, 2015, and they were making it sound like they had just found this and were just discovering this cemetery thing. And in this cemetery, there is over 7,000 unmarked graves of patients who died on site. Oh, my God. And that's not even everybody who's died there. These are only the people whose bodies weren't claimed by somebody. Oh, no. So they probably had a lot more death than that. So, yes. So not only is the inside haunted, the outside is haunted, too. Like, this whole fucking thing. So the team from Destination Fear, they go on their 12-hour investigation. I did like them. And I did like this. So it's definitely a series I'm going to, like, watch more of. I did like them. So I'm going to go over, like, essentially the highlights I wrote down. So that way, if you guys would like to watch it, you know you know. So first thing, literally they're in there maybe a minute, probably less than that. Their mics start cutting in and out like from their cameras. And there's this loud like bang or boom, like just loud ass noise. And all the cameras start fucking up right away. And they're like, uh, are you fucking kidding me? We like literally just walked in here. Holy shit. Because this was like early in the season. So obviously like I feel it was probably they weren't expecting this already, (laughs) you know. But in my opinion, I was like, yeah, basically these spirits were just like, yep, we see you. We see you're here. Welcome to this chaos we're going to fucking do to you. (laughs) And there's so much activity here. I like, no, hard pass on this place. I'm just saying. (laughs) Hard pass. Literally. They hear running footsteps above them when they're in the third floor. They also, of course, are, you know, trying to get EVPs and stuff. And they're sitting there and they're like, what's your name? And literally this thing responds like immediately. And it's kind of mumbly though. So they're not able to like make it out. But you can hear it's like a voice if that makes sense. So it's really odd. And later on, their walkies start fucking up. And when they were investigating, they split off into two pairs just because this is, like I said, 200,000 square feet. And you hear it like it's the walkie says, go again. And they're like, what the fuck? And so they're each talking to each other and they're like, what did you say? And it was obviously none of them, but it was like a dude voice. So there's that. And these ghosts just like to bang shit and scare you. So we hear a lot of that. And Chelsea and one of the dudes are in one area and you hear this like crash type of thing. It sounds like something metal fell or whatnot, but like they're the only people in here. So it's just really weird. So they're kind of freaked and, you know, as they fucking should be. So they're like, let's go outside and kind of like regroup a little bit. Fuck this. Like I need to get the fuck away from these ghosts for two seconds. So when they go outside, they leave two cameras up and a REM pod, which I had to look up what that was because I had 
never heard about that before. And I found this website that not sponsored or nothing, but I just thought it was so cool. So they have a whole explanation on what a REM pod is. So I'm going to read it here in a second, but they're called Sinister Coffee and Creamery. And they literally have like spooky coffee and stuff. And they also have like ice cream and stuff too. And I'm like, this is so cool. And they're two ladies that are like paranormal investigators and stuff. I'm just like, this is so cool. I love it. <laughs> like I got I was like rabbit holing. I'm like, mm, I need all this coffee. Anyway. Okay. So this REM pod, which I also looked it up on Amazon. It is a little pricey. It's like $180. I was like, oh, okay. So the REM pod, and this is from Sinister Coffee and Creamery's website. The REM pod is a small compact device considered to be an essential item in the world of paranormal detection equipment. REM stands for radiating electromagnetic A REM pod has an antenna that covers a range of 360 degrees. It detects disturbances and changes in the area surrounding it. The REM pod radiates an electromagnetic field said to create energy for spirits to communicate through. The REM pod uses sound and colored lights to set off alarms for the ghost hunter. And fun fact, the REM pod was originally created for the ghost adventure team, but a lot more people are using these now. So that's kind of cool. And it was created by Gary Galka, who lost one of his daughters in a car accident. And he was an application engineer and he made this device. So I just I was like, oh, my gosh. And basically, like the little lights will go off and stuff. And they like I said, they had one. And from my understanding, it won't pick up like say you're, you know, you're setting it up and you're walking by or whatever. It won't go off. It's very specific type of energy it will pick up. So you can't accidentally trip it, essentially, is what I gathered. So like I said, the team went outside to kind of like regroup and set up their game plan since they're getting so much damn activity. So this is at 11, 18 p.m. And we get to see what is happening on camera in the building while they're outside. And you see, I don't know how to describe it. So basically what I wrote down was like, it either looks like a limb, like an arm or a leg swinging or a noose swinging. I can't, I couldn't figure it out what exactly it was. That's not creepy. Fucking creepy. And then like two minutes later, the little REM pod, which is why I gave you guys like a little explanation on what that was, that started going off. And like I said, it's not touchy. So it's like, what the fuck is happening? And literally all four of them were the only ones there. They were all outside. So then Dakota, so then they all go back inside, right? And Dakota and one of the other guys, they go down to the basement. And I'm sure you can expect how fun that was. So an entity starts screaming like this scary possessed scream and it's fucking loud and uh he's saying dakota's name (laughs) oh good yeah and they're both like what the fuck and the other dude's like dude he's saying your fucking name and he's like (gasps) he's just like um no no thank you (laughs) (laughs) and the REM pod just starts going crazy and you know they even like do it on film to show like look it's not us he's they like walk up pretty close to it and nothing's going off you know so they're like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck Ugh, yeah it's like whatever entity was like right fucking there by them and then it comes time for bed or I guess like attempt to go to bed because I'm like I don't know how the fuck any y'all are gonna sleep now this isn't like ghost adventures where they're like Aaron you're going if this was ghost adventures they'd be like Aaron you're going to the basement (laughs) I know I was just thinking that I was like, fuck, probably Aaron's like, we're never going here. (laughs) But they actually keep it fair. They draw their sleep locations out of like a cup or a glass. They have them like on pieces of paper and they pull them out, you know. So poor Dakota. 
he gets the basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. He's like, God damn it. I know. But apparently, like, Chelsea has bad luck. And she was like, I'm going to get the fucking basement. She got, like, the third floor or something. But still, everywhere's fucking scary. And then it kind of flashes forward to essentially the next morning. The time lapse is, like, 4.20 a.m. to 5.15 a.m. And there's just, like, all these weird noises, all this, like, weird banging of shit and, like, stuff that sounds like metal cabinets closing. Like, it's so fucking scary. And they're all just sitting there like, oh my god, fuck our lives. Like, so much shit is happening during this time. It was so funny because then it cuts to Dakota and he's like, oh, the sun's rising. We're done. It's like, poor guy, poor guy. And then, oh my gosh, the like, I swear, I don't know if he's like a magnet for this or what. Like I said, he's in the basement. You hear scratching happening, like talon scratching is the only way I can think of to describe it. And he flips out. He's like, what the fuck? And he's like fumbling and drops his fucking flashlight and he's like looking for it. And then he finally grabs it and he points it at it and he's like looking. And of course he has to like verbalize like, what the fuck? And he's like, maybe it's just my mind being freaked out, but I swear I saw something like crawling towards me. He's like, but obviously nothing's fucking here. So I don't know. So yeah, I think it was like that whole goes back to that idea of these entities placing stuff in your like mind fucking you basically, you know, so super scary. But yes, really scary place. I um, am good without going there. Let me be real with you. But yeah, they do have haunted tours. And from what I saw on their website, they are back open. So if you're local to there or going to be in that area and you are brave enough, definitely check it out. It's um, nope, I'm okay. (laughs) I feel the same way. Yes, but it was really interesting. And I thought this place was just terrifying and sad. And it led me to a new paranormal investigation show. So there's that. That's always exciting. Yes. Okay. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you back here on Thursday for another Stabby. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.